welcome everybody to another episode of Small Council Radio, where we talk about anything and everything, a song of ice and fire. Tonight, uh, we will be joined by a special guest. Uh, tonight, we have with us Gamma, uh, as some people might know him from TTS. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, of course. And tonight, we will be talking about the Greyjoy faction Uh this is going to be part one of two because there's quite a bit to unwrap. Uh, we will be talking about the tactics cards and uh, or the the generic tactics deck as well as the commander um, attachments with their uh, respective uh, tactics cards. So definitely uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, also with us we have Justin. Thank you as well for coming on. Mm, thanks for always having me. <laughs> of course. And uh can you guys hear me okay? Uh I was having a little headset difficulty just before the show started. Yeah, you sound fine now. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um so as those uh some of you guys have probably already listened to a previous uh Greyjoy spoiler or revealed uh, episode, I believe back in June or so, we talked about uh, when the Greyjoys first dropped a lot of their reveals. I believe the tactics deck was all spoiled. I think um, only a little bit has changed. So we're going to kind of briefly go back through the tactics cards. One for those that kind of miss, maybe missed that show. Um, and uh also, just for kind of reference in conjunction when talking about the commanders and their tactics cards and how they might uh, interact with the generic deck itself. Um, but as always, uh, thank you guys for you know supporting the channel. You know, definitely go check out our uh, Facebook, our Discord. Check us out on any platform you can. Uh, we do this show live every other Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time and every other Sunday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. And for those that can't make our live show, you can find us on uh, thesongoficeandfire.com, blogtalkradio.com, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. And uh, if you can't make the live show as well, or at least not um, uh, call in, you can find us on Discord where you can uh, post your questions in the chat there and kind of, you know, get uh, get some questions answer, answered or put in your, uh, your two cents for the topic. So definitely go check uh, any and all of that out. Uh, like, share, and follow the page whenever possible. Uh, so jumping right into this, uh, I'm just going to kind of read off each tactic card and then kind of get uh, and get that out of the way. Those that are following uh, along or maybe not sure where to find the, the tactics cards images, you can go to the Simon's Song of Ice and Fire tape, tabletopminiaturesgame.com and then go to their articles and uh, they'll sh- you should be able to find a bunch of different uh, um, faction articles. In this case, it should be labeled as Tactics of the Iron Fleet. And in that article, you will be able to find the the seven generic tactics cards. Um, And also, you know, definitely check out some other content creators that are also covering uh, this topic. So I know 
Uh, we're a little late to this party of talking about the Greyjoys since they've been revealing a bunch of stuff, but uh, with how much Simon has been releasing, we kind of wanted to uh, cover some of the other stuff as it was trickling in and save Greyjoys when there was uh, a bunch more to talk about. So, without further ado, uh, first Tactus card we have up is We Do Not Sew. When a friendly NCU claims a zone, replace that zone's effect with one friendly combat unit performs one attack action. If an opponent controls the uh, wealth, the unit this unit restores one wound plus one wound for each of its destroyed ranks. Uh, what is dead may never die. When a friendly unit is destroyed, that unit is not destroyed but instead remains in play with D3 wounds. Attach this card to that unit until the end of the game. While attached, when that unit performs an action before resolving that action, it suffers D3 wounds unless you control the swords. And one thing you'll notice with these cards is they all kind of have the theme of um, you want the wealth or combat zone and not just you uh, you also want your opponent to possibly take them because you're going to get effects based on what sometimes you having it and sometimes your opponent having having it um, let's see so next one is the Kraken's Wrath when a friendly unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice if you control the combat zone the, this attacks gains precision if your opponent controls it you get to reroll attack dice and gain precision if you control the wealth, the defender becomes panic, and if the defender controls it, uh, they become uh, vulnerable. Um, the iron price, start of a friendly turn, target one friendly combat unit, remove any number of pillage tokens from that unit. For each token removed, choose one. The unit restores two wounds and may be selected multiple times. This unit gains plus one move and may reroll charge distance dice this turn. This unit act, attacks using its highest attack die value this turn. Finger dance, start of a friendly turn, target one friendly combat unit, attach this card to that unit until the end of the game. While attached, when attacking enemies with the same or fewer remaining ranks, before rolling attack dice, the defender becomes vulnerable when an enemy with the same or more remaining ranks attacks this unit. Before rolling attack dice, this unit becomes vulnerable. Raiding call. When a friendly Greyjoy infantry unit activates, remove up the four models and up the one pillage token from one other friendly Greyjoy infantry unit in long range. Restore that many wounds to the unit. Uh, and if this unit has pillage, place the removed pillage token on this unit. If any player controls the wealth, one friendly unit with pillage gains one pillage token. And lastly, bless with stone, bless with steel. When a friendly combat unit activates, target one enemy engaged with the unit for each of that enemy's shared ranks. This unit restores two wounds. If you control the wealth or the combat, restore plus one wound or remove one condition token from that unit for each of those zones you control. So, sorry guys for like kind of the, you know, the quick run through those taxes cards, but I, I wanted to at least get them covered here. Um, that way anyone listening can kind of have a point of reference of uh, what we're talking about. So, uh, with that said, uh, Gamma, what's kind of your first impression of uh, the overall generic tactics deck? Yeah, they definitely have some really strong cards in there. Um, I personally really love uh, Finger Dance, especially uh, in conjunction with the Ironborn Bowman. 
And Kraken's Wrath is just an incredibly powerful card. The ability to get critical blow. Sorry, not critical blow. That one's precision. Um, it's a chance to get re-rolls. And a good chance that when you're playing it, you're going to be able to put out either a panicked or a vulnerable token. Um, with units like the Harlow Reapers, that just you could put out a lot of damage through panic tokens. Um, the I'm blanking on their names. The Iron Makers, sorry. With critical blow and precision, it might not stack in 1.7 the way it used to in 1.6, but that's still a strong combo, and you can get that vulnerable token. It just has so many potential uses. Um, there are some. I, I don't want to call them dead cards, but some cards that I find much less useful in the deck. Uh, the Iron Price, it it almost doesn't synergize well. You want your Panic Tokens, not your Panic, sorry, your Pillage Tokens to be able to get out your damage. Um, it, it's nice for the, the extra movement and charge dice. And when we come into some Commanders, I think it has some play with Balon. Uh, and potentially the Restoring Wounds, where it's at the start of a friendly turn, not that unit's activation. It can be good if you have a unit with, say, Iron Makers who have a Pillage token or two on them, but are low in wounds. You can Restore Wounds off them and then activate someone like Eric, Iron Maker, NCU, or Bowman to try to replenish those Pillage tokens back onto your units. Um yeah, they're they're really an ag aggressive tactics deck. Amount of tokens they can put out, but they have a lot of sustain in there too. So I think it's it's quite quite balanced. Yeah, thinking the one thing that jumps out at me about the tactics deck that I actually love is the spots that they want and sort of don't care if your opponents take in some cases are the best two spots arguably in on the tactics board, or at least maybe not the best. Uh, I mean, cause that's definitely can be uh, subjective, but um, it uh, it's definitely two spots that are usually taken like immediately because you, you know, you take the free attack because I mean, it's a free attack, uh, you know, nine out of ten times it's the first action in most games it seems like and then a lot of times it's followed up by the wealth to at least heal back some of the wounds from that attack so you're you're almost not even having to work towards having these spots uh not to mention even if you don't get them uh your opponent grabbing them will also trigger their effects so i think that uh that aspect of this deck definitely makes that you know that part of the deck super strong um cuz there's with other tactics decks there's a level of strategy in trying to build your list in order to gain the effects of the zones that uh, your faction wants what about you justin how does this deck uh kind of come off for you. I think they have a interesting amount of healing, which lore-wise kind of makes me chuckle. Not like it's a bad thing, I don't mind at all, uh, but like they're definitely outnumbered and reinforcing in this game is supposed to represent, you know, or healing is supposed to re be reinforcements coming in. They wouldn't really have them, but I like one really specific thing, because I think it's really unique, is that you're looking for your opponent to have control of 
uh, spots, and that's that's definitely interesting because now your opponent's gonna, for other reasons other than just stopping you from getting it, but they're gonna they're gonna question getting specific spots they may need um, because of whatever it could do to them or for you. Figured Ants, I'm glad the card. I like the. That's like my favorite thing about the Great Joys period, and it's a pretty solid card, so pretty happy about that. Uh, it seems like they're definitely a like like a buff kind of army. Not not in the sense that they're like naturally strong. They're all about buffing up their units, and I've always enjoyed that. So I think they could be really fun to play. We'll just have to wait and see, though. Yeah, I definitely can't wait for that. Uh, just my initial takeaway from the whole faction, uh, let alone these tactics cards, with a lot of what you were mentioning, the healing, is that. Uh, I love playing super aggressive. Uh, in some cases, you can call it like a glass cannon list and then implement forms of defense, whether it be through, uh, you know, usually in my case, it's in the form of healing. So, uh, you know, one of my best list is just running a bunch of berserkers, but then you run blackfish and you run a bunch of healing effects and then, you know, even though the berserkers themselves are about average, you know, the healing is, you know, what can bring them back into like a, a fairly defensive army, you know, maybe not like top tier defense, but like defensive enough that they're not, you know, they're no longer really glass cannon. Um, and I think that's what this faction is starting to kind of look like a lot of their buffs making, making the faction look like they're, going to be super offensive and not so defensive but uh the healing is going to kind of supplement for that defense so uh gamma what would you say is maybe the tactics card of these seven that's going to maybe be kind of the underdog the the undervalued card that you know is going to kind of pop up and help uh potentially swing a game maybe not a game but like really kind of start the turn of the tide oh that's a tough one uh turn the tide i would have to say you're gonna see finger dance come out early kraken's wrath is going to be on some really strong hits i think a well-played raiding call where if you have a unit of say reavers or reapers low down to almost their last rank, being able to pluck four models off another unit and restore that unit that's engaged and get them that pillage token. Now you're going to be hitting back stronger. Um, if either one of you or your opponent are claiming that uh, the money bags, the wealth zone, you're getting an extra pillage token in there. So you can go from a, a unit that has say five wounds left, no pillage tokens on Reavers, all of a sudden now you're back to full ranks, hitting with two pillage tokens, so you're hitting on that two plus. It It's going to really swing things back in your favor if you can get that clutch card at the right time. Yeah, I agree. Uh, rating call giving just the end effect of, in most cases, giving you a free pillage token because someone's going to have the wealth. All you, all you got to do is make sure you don't play this card, like in the first couple actions. Um, and someone's bound to have the wealth because if they don't take it, you're going to take it because you know, you have this card in your hand 
and a free pillage token, especially if you can do it uh, early, you may may even say, you know what, instead of ditching this card out of my hand, especially with the new five card uh, hand limit with uh, when 1.7 drops, you'd be like, you know what, uh, I don't really need to heal anything because the game hasn't really started yet, but uh, someone owns the wealth and I want to get a free pillage and uh, and basically get the card out of your hand. And, you know, it kind of gives it uh, that option for uh, kind of like how some of the commander cards that have been revealed have the just draw a card to replace itself when uh, yeah. as an extra option. I think uh, this, in a way, is another option to just kind of get it out of your hand uh, when you don't necessarily need it at that time. For sure. And I think that in your list building, um, depending on how we see neutrals change, attachments like the uh, Stormcrow Lieutenant, Brawn, um, Commander Dario, who want you to claim the pillage, or not the pillage, the uh, the wealth zone to gain effects there. You can almost, I don't want to say trick your opponent into blocking that zone on you, so you can guarantee it's controlled by either yourself or your opponent. So you're getting some benefit out of the fact that somebody has to take it or else you're getting benefits. That's actually a really good point because, uh, you know, if if they think, oh, man, he really needs the wealth zone. Um, but, I mean, on the turns where they go first, they're really going to be in a tough spot between the combat zone and the wealth zone. Uh, um, Justin, uh, how do you kind of feel about that idea being a uh, neutral player? I think... Probably going to be, well, I don't know. It really depends on what changes, of course. But say it's like everything stays generally the same as it is now. Um, it's going to be pretty difficult because like a big part of defeating a neutral player is like taking those spots because they rely so heavily on them. Um, now it's going to hurt even more, especially, as you said, playing Commander Dario. Um, I personally don't put a lot of stock in that free attack for the Stormcrows. Um, yeah, free attack's free attack, but it's not like it's five free attacks a game. If anything, like maybe two to three tops, depending on like what's going on. It's only with one unit. So now if your opponent's stopping that, you're like, wow, that's like a potentially ton of points that I just wasted for nothing. Um, so it's going to be, I don't know, maybe like a, a counter to that type of play, which isn't like inherently a bad thing at all. Counters are supposed to exist, so... It'll make it harder for me. I'll probably hate it, um, but it's still like not an uh, inherently bad thing. I think it's kind of cool. Now, uh, another question for you, Justin. Uh, I don't know if I've ever actually asked you, um, is Greyjoy something that kind of interests you as a, another faction? I know you're kind of exclusive to neutrals and Baratheons, but I know you've talked a lot about uh, Greyjoys and how there's a bunch of characters in the books that you really like. Uh, there's two characters that I really, really like and a few minor ones that I think are cool. Um, but play-wise, no. I'm probably not going to get them. Um, I very much like Victarion because uh, he's he's a very simple man with a simple plan. He just wants to hit people really hard, and he's really good at it. And he has what I picture in my head and from the <laughs> model they showed, ridiculously cool armor, so I can appreciate that guy. <laughs> And then Asha, I think, is a really um, 
just deep character. I think there's a lot to her, and she's very unique among her people. Uh, so I definitely like her a lot. But no, I probably won't play them. And uh, Gamma, how about you? Uh, have uh, Greyjoys kind of piqued your interest? And if so, are you kind of excited for when they finally uh, announce the release date, let alone come out? I have been negatively counting down the days at this point. I thought they'd be out by now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have been very excited about them. I I don't even know how long. They were the faction that was, uh, when this faction comes out, I'm switching from my main, which I don't even know what my main is anymore. I've jumped back and forth between Lannisters and Stark so many times. I am very excited for them. I, I haven't read any of the books. I'm going completely off what I know them from the shows. But I I love the Greyjoys. They're definitely my favorite faction. And it's funny you say that because uh, I actually have not read the books either, but um, I've talked to quite a bit of people, uh, uh, Justin and then uh, another uh, really, really good friend of mine that uh, also has read the books and you know, you guys have kind of talked so highly about some of these Greyjoy characters, and I feel like with the way you guys have kind of talked about them, not to mention the show not even showing some of the Greyjoys in, you know, in the show, that I feel like just to give Greyjoys justice that, you know, listening at least to the audiobooks, just because I've been kind of strapped for time um, with a lot of stuff going on, that I feel like it it's jumped on my prior, priority list quite a bit. Um, Because now it really intrigues me because what I thought was easily the most boring faction in the entire, you know, Game of Thrones, Ice and Fire uh, genre is now, you know, has really piqued my interest. And I want to, you know, take a moment to kind of give credit where credit's due to Simon. I think just the amazing sculpts, the amazing... uh, you know, just units and way, you know, the tactics cards are going to perform and just, you know, in theory, because uh, I have not gotten a chance to play test any of it. You know, it has really piqued my interest where, you know, I was going to start the army just because I plan to have them all anyways. Now I'm actually super excited to play the army like a lot, you know, not just kind of have it and, you know, play it to play it, but uh, I cannot actually wait to get them on the table and really explore all the options. So uh, I think Simon has done an amazing job uh, with uh, what they've revealed so far. So um, with that said, before we jump into the commanders, uh, I want to kind of point out uh, my kind of, what I kind of take from the tactics deck is the two top cards, actually, if you're looking on the article, uh, do not sow and what is dead may never die. Uh, I think do not sow, you know, I don't know if I haven't seen a lot of people like really raving about this card. I'm not saying no one's saying it's bad. What I think a lot of people are missing with this card is the fact that free attacks, I think, are going to be really rare in 1.7 just based on what they're kind of you know have been um, talking about and so this card though just looks like a really strong card I think it's actually like a a tick further than that with for the fact that we're not going to see the free uh, attacks as often granted you have to 
claim and replace a zone to get it, but it is any attack. So it is a ranged or melee attack. Uh, so this could be big for even ranged attacks uh, early game. Um, and then it will also give your opponent, you know, it, let's say you take uh, the free attack. Uh, let's say you go first, you take the free attack with whatever, and then shoot your opponent, and then they take the wealth to heal up uh, from that attack. Then you play do not sow, you claim another zone, let's say the the uh, letters, in order to prevent your opponent from having it, and you replace it with another free attack, and then healing potentially. Uh, so I think do not sow was already kind of, people thought was a great card, but I think the fact that you're going to see it a lot less, it's going to really make it shine as a very powerful card. And then what is dead may never die. For me, this is going to be like the number one card to potentially turn, you know, start the turn of the tide, kind of like I was talking to you, Gamma, about um, uh, before. I think this is going to be sort of like um, Jon Snow's, uh, you know, it shall not end. Um, whether or not John still has that card is still to be revealed. Um, I mean, it seems thematic for John, so I don't see why he wouldn't have it. But, uh, I mean, this one has a little more to it. But, uh, but yeah, I think it. I think this card alone, you know, can save you a couple victory points, not only from your unit potentially not dying at the end of the game, but just staying alive to keep uh, capturing some victory point or some uh, objectives for some more victory points. So uh, I think it's one of those cards that you're going to have to play at the right time and not necessarily right when the first unit dies, but uh, it will be interesting to see how that one plays out. Gamma, one last, very last question before we move on to the commanders. Have you uh, played this card in, um, in any of your testing on TTS, and how has it kind of performed for you, if you have? Uh, I did a, a Mirror Greyjoy match, and it was very helpful in that game. Um, I think the biggest thing with it is that in the Mirror, both factions are basically geared towards 1.7. So I could get the card in hand. Uh, I wasn't playing, we weren't playing with the new 1.7 or 2021 rules update at the time. So I didn't have the, the hand cap of five. Uh, but that is, that is kind of where I see this card almost failing you in a game. If you draw it too early, and you only have five cards you're allowed to hang on to you, are you really going to want to hold on to what is dead may never die over a we do not sow? I, I just, I don't, I like the card, but I'm always afraid of you're not going to have it when you actually need it. Either you're going to draw it too early and need to discard it for a stronger card in the early game, or you're going to get hit mid-game, and it's going to be one of the last cards you draw, and you're not going to have a chance to actually play it. Yep. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Now that you mentioned it, the cap of five can really, I think, hinder any card that is when a unit is destroyed. So, um, yeah, that that if that situation arises, that, that would definitely be unfortunate. So, um, 
but yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how it uh, pans out for that one. Um, but moving on to our commanders. First up, we're going to talk about Asha Greyjoy. So for Asha, um, she has Ironborn uh, Metal. Am I saying that wrong? Mantle? Metal? It's metal. 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 Like, like nerve. Oh, okay. Uh, Warcry and Raider Bravery. So Asha herself gives inspiring presence. This unit's morale stat becomes a 5+, plus and has Rally Point. Friendly units in short range may use this unit's morale stat for all morale tests. And Stubborn Tenacity, which, uh, as Gamma was pointing out to me uh, before the show started, uh, used to be each time this unit passed the panic test, one enemy engaged with it suffers D3 wounds, but it has now been changed to uh, a straight one wound, which I think might be more fair. Um, D3 leaves it up to chance that you roll way too many threes and then it becomes way too powerful. I think one is good enough with how many times a unit is potentially going to take a panic test. So I, overall, just looking at her attachment version, or sorry, her attachment commander, I think uh, it's a very, very strong set of skills. Three, of, you know, each uh, stubborn tenacity isn't something amazing, but it's a nice little buff, while the other two, inspiring presence and rally point, really add a lot to this faction, considering uh, we'll talk about them Sunday, but uh, just to briefly talk about the morales, you know, of the four units that have been revealed, we're looking at seven, six, eight, seven, and then um, I believe there is a fifth unit that was just shown the artwork of Ironborn Trappers. Uh, so it'll be interesting. To see. I'm sure their morale is going to be probably seven, could even be eight. Um, uh, the you know them being trappers, a lot of other factions, their their version of that you know, name of a unit usually doesn't have great morale. So um, anyways, with that said, this this ability is going to be, like, key to helping your unit survive. And then onto our tactics cards, uh, the Ironborn Metal, when a friendly unit passes a morale test, restore two wounds to that unit. If a friendly unit is in short range of Asher Greyjoy's unit, restore plus one wound for each of their destroyed ranks. Warcry, when a friendly combat unit activates, that unit performs one morale test. On a success, target one enemy in long range. It becomes panicked and vulnerable. And Raider Bravery is when a friendly unit passes morale test. Attach this card to that unit until, the, uh, until it fails a morale test. While attached, when this unit attacks, if it has full ranks, it gains plus one attack die. Otherwise, it is treated as having plus one rank four attack dice. So, overall, I think a very strong commander. Uh, Justin, what are you kind of thinking of uh, your first impression of her? Well, I definitely love her attachment. Uh, I think that inspiring presence thing, like it was on Mance, uh, is a ridiculously powerful ability, and I'm kind of glad that that do seem to limit it to really, really poor morale units or armies. Like, ugh, could you imagine, like, inspiring presence, like, four up and, like, Starks? Like, oh, perfect. <laughs> Just what we need. I really, really enjoy her attachment. Her cards, I don't think any of them stick out to me as, like, woo! Um, I may not be looking close enough, but uh, some tokens with some healing. Um, well, one of them can heal up to four wounds, which is pretty nice when you pass a morale test, but I guess that just depends on how you roll. Um, 
I think they all work well with her commander, though, because what two of them are passing a morale test, and you're you're very likely to pass a morale test most of the time. So, I think she's probably all around a very very good commander. Uh, not not one of those commanders you see where you're like, oh, this is going to be a problem for the game, but definitely not a commander that you're going to pass over. Yep, I think she is going to have her own play style of uh, running a tight formation to try to capitalize on her rally point. Not only that, like you were saying, two of her cards require to trigger when they your units pass a morale test. Another one forces you to make a morale test on your own. And then uh, one of the ones that requires uh, that to trigger when you pass a morale test then requires you to keep passing morale tests to stay on. So it's you're going to want to be with what morales uh, each unit uh, that are revealed has, you're going to want to keep them close to her, and then you're going to want to be playing her cards on the units that are within your formation. So, granted, it doesn't mean everything's going to have to stay within, you know, her range, obviously, but that's going to be the, like, the kind of your anvil. That's going to be your your staying power is the her bubble on the on the field so and then anything outside of that is just going to have to really uh pull their weight um so maybe uh you know run a uh, uh what are they called reavers um why can't i find the thing with the units on them <laughs> um so you're going to, oh, there they are. Uh, yeah, Reapers, not Reavers. You're going to want to run maybe a couple. Reapers? Yeah, because they have the six-up morale. Nothing special, but for them, that's a great morale for this faction. So maybe keep them on the outskirts and then run um, some of your not-as-good morale in her bubble. Uh, that way you kind of, you know, average out your morale across the board. Yeah, makes now, sense. Uh, uh, Gamma, how do you kind of feel about her? Have uh, you ran her in any of your playtests? I have, and honestly, I think that she is the sleeper best commander they've shown for Greyjoy so far. Um, I love her cards, her synergies with the faction in general. Um, she's boosting that morale, like you said. They have an average morale of seven. Um, she's boosting that up to a 5+, plus, which is a, a very big swing that's essentially giving Stellwart aura ability around her. And we've already heard from Simon that Stellwart is going to be very rare to come by. Um, her stubborn tenacity uh, in the previous 1.6 that we're playing right now, that's an order. So it's only going to be procking one attack at a time right now. Sure, it's doing D3 wounds, but if you get attacked three or four times and you flub that first stubborn tenacity on a one, you're only dealing one wound. Right now, you can be forcing morale on your own unit, on her cards, um, things like Ironborn Bowman shooting into combat with her unit. So you can be forcing damage through Bowman shooting in. They're getting the five plus morale from her. And then her own unit's going to have to take a morale test on a 5+, plus, likely going to pass and dealing an additional wound out of that. Um, 
Yeah, her her cards on their own, they synergize against each other. Um, War Cry, I think, is a fantastic card. It forces you to take a morale test, which then would proc you to be able to play either Raider Bravery or Ironborn Metal if you need those extra wounds or if you want that extra attack. And putting out tokens is a surefire way of pushing extra damage through. Uh, I know everyone looks at the Ironborn Bowmen and thinks that they're just a utility unit not meant for putting damage out, but I have been running double Bowmen with Asha in Iron Makers, and the Bowmen are what do the damage because you can stick out those those extra damage, those extra tokens, sorry, with the Panicked and the Vulnerable. You're getting the extra die from Raider Bravery. You can Finger Dance to get even more vulnerable tokens out. And depending on what we see for um, attachment changes, things like the Stormcrow Lieutenants, which I mentioned before, and uh, Eric, Ironmaker NCU, making you decide which way you want to give me essentially a pillage token. Either you're giving it to me through Ironborn Bowmen or getting that plus one die and Sundering, or you're taking the, the bags. It, it She's forcing decisions on everything. And the other attachment that I really hope doesn't change much, they previewed them on the Simon Expo, was the Theon attachment. He was two points. He had uh, the name of the abilities keeping my mind right now. It's the deal yourself D3 wounds and count as rolling an automatic six on your charge. I think it's insane her- heroism or something along those lines. Uh, and he also... right here. Uh, it's uh, reckless hero- heroism. And yeah, reckless it's uh, take D3 to auto six on the charge. And then he also has swift strike um, after you complete a melee or after this attack, yeah, melee, you can get one free retreat action. Yeah, so him on a, a unit, you can keep him close to your your bunker of Asha for the five-up morale. When he needs to do damage, you're getting a guaranteed 11-inch charge, because we know, well, as of right now, what we know from Greyjoys is they have a base speed of five. So you're bolting out 11 inches, hitting a unit, and then you can recall yourself back, right back to Asha, or Asha, sorry, to get that morale boost again. So you're always in that morale bubble, but you can almost yo-yo in and out and play off her cards to get that healing back up. And I, I think she's going to be overlooked by some, but is going to be an incredibly strong commander. Yeah, and I think... Uh... You know, like you were saying with the tub, uh, stubborn uh, tenacity, over the course of the game, it's really going to add up, and it's going to be a lot more reliable. Um, I know potentially it does way less, but then then again, potentially it does uh, a lot more. Um, now, like you were saying, you can proc it yourself over and over, and also, as you're saying about the Bowmen, I think uh, they are definitely a great unit. Uh, I mean, you're looking at four points, four points for a unit that uh, you can make five points with uh, their attachment. Um, uh, 
the captain? Cap, captain, yeah, and just come in from behind them. Uh, I believe unactivated. Uh, so, yeah, because it doesn't say you come in activated. So you are replacing a spot, coming in right behind them, getting their effect of is it uh, rerolls? Yeah, they get uh, yeah, if you shoot them in the rear. The rear. <laughs> so you're looking at six dice hitting on fours with rerolls and um, and procking that panic test uh, on Asha, who has a five up. You know, so your chances are going to be pretty good that you're going to pass. So I would say yeah, Asha is going to be really close to right up my alley because uh, you know a lot of people forget this, but your morale is a big part of the defense of your army. Uh, granted, now, you know, uh, you're only going to be taking D3. I shouldn't say now, but when the 1.7 drops, you're only going to be taking D3 damage instead of D3 plus 1. But still, um, you know, they. a lot of people look at, let's say, Berserkers, who have uh, currently a 4-up morale and a 5-up save, and go, oh, man, those guys are super fragile. No, I would say they're about average. I would say that morale actually evens them out to be like a straight-up middle-of-the-line uh, defensive unit. And so Asha is going to do the very same thing. Uh, that 5-up morale stat is still good enough that you're going to be passing a good chunk of your morale. And uh, let's see, the units themselves having a 5-up, a 4-up, a 5-up, a 5-up for your defensive saves uh, with the Iron Makers being able to go uh, to a 3 or a 2. I think you're going to be able to, combined with her and a bunch of healing, make a fairly uh, defensive army while being able to hit pretty hard. And also, as you were mentioning about Eric, uh, the MCU, um, if, the, if your opponent claims the wealth, you get a free pillage token. I just, I think I'm going to absolutely love the fact that your opponent's going to be in no-win situations with uh, picking what spots to take. Uh, so I can't wait to, to try that part out. Um, next up, we're going to talk about, because uh, I want to save uh, the best for last, uh, we're going to talk about Balan uh, Greyjoy. And please forgive me, everyone out there. Balon, yes. Uh, I was going to say, forgive me for butchering that name, because I knew it wasn't right as soon as it came out. Also, forgive me, I'm taking a, a wild guess here. Uh, Balon is Asha's uh, dad, correct? He's the old guy that basically does nothing in the show, but I'm sure does yeah, way more like in the book. King of the Iron Island, yep. <laughs> uh, he doesn't okay. do a whole lot more either. He makes some plans, but okay. basically you you know the gist of what he's about. <laughs> okay, I kind of got that from the name because his uh, subtitle Sounds is like uh, The Kraken name. King. Oh, okay. Back. That sounds like a useless person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he looks uh, a lot more useful in his picture. <laughs> He's actually, you know, he has a sword, uh, two swords on him. Uh, so, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so next up is him. Um, he has fueled by slaughter. After this unit completes a melee attack, if the defender suffered any wounds, this unit restores one wound plus one wound. Uh, plus one additional wound for each of the defenders destroyed ranks. So, um, so the nice part about this effect is it is, you know, when I first read this, 
immediately my brain went to like panic test because this just seemed like a panic test sort of effect. Like you would have to fail a panic test, but no, you just simply have to deal a wound to your opponent to trigger this heal. Um, so I think that is a really great ability. Uh, and then next he has iron resolve. This unit gains plus one to panic test rolls and suffers minus one wound upon failing panic tests. Another really great effect, especially if you want to combine him with the Iron Makers, essentially making them a six-up morale, potentially a two-up save with six-up morale and a minus one to the damage. Um, that's what that said, right? Uh, plus one? Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, two-up save potentially, especially if you take uh, Eric, you can give them the tokens really quickly to make sure you're at that two-up if you really wanted to commit it to it to doing that and you know i mean that's going to be a really tough unit to crack with how much healing the Greyjoys have so i think uh balon is going to be you know just from that not even reading his cards he's going to be a great commander uh uh and i think most commanders are going to be perfect in the iron makers unit uh that's not to say that you can't put them in other units i think there's definitely merit to uh putting them in you know any of the units that have been revealed. Um, and then he has acceptable sacrifices, start of a friendly turn, target one friendly combat unit other than Balon's unit, uh, attach this card to them until the end of the game. While attached, this unit suffers plus one wound from failing panic tests. All other friendly units in short range plus one to panic test rolls. When this unit is destroyed, target one friendly unit in long range. They restore two wounds, and if they have pillage, gain one pillage token. So, um, uh, next up, price of failure. When a friendly unit is performing an attack before attack dice are rolled, all attack dice rolls automatically hit for this attack. For each roll that would have missed, the attacker suffers one wound. And then lastly, the old way. When a friendly unit is performing a morale test after rolling dice, you may discard one pillage token from that unit. If you do, re-roll any dice for this test. And then it has an additional uh, or an optional effect of when a friendly unit is performing an attack after rolling attack dice. You may discard one pillage token from that unit. If you do, they may reroll any attack dice. So um, kind of like Asha, I think his effects on him are amazing. And I think his, uh, his cards are kind of, they're good. They're solid. They're, they're nothing you're going to really like write home about They're and, you know, say these cards are going to, you know, break the game or, you know, be absolutely, you know, digging through your deck to get them. But I think you're not going to be disappointed when you see them either. I think they definitely have a lot of uh, merit to them. Uh, Gamma, what do you, uh, have you played him yet at all either? I have not played Balon. He, he has been my least favorite commander for the Greyjoys at this point. I mean, there's only three that we've seen, but he's definitely not my favorite. Um, he just, I think, I think we need to see that, uh, that last unit of trappers, he feels like he wants to be in a, an army of cheap expendable units. Um, acceptable sacrifices. It just, it screams to me, throw me on a, a Raider unit or sorry, a Reaver unit throw them into the fight, 
they're going to be taking extra wounds, but you basically want them to go in, explode, and heal up another one of your Reaver units that was taking damage. Um, same with Price of Failure. And this is this is where I see their, their main tactics card, um, the Iron Price, coming in handy with this card. If you have a nearly dead unit of Reavers or Reapers or anything, Reavers are the ones I think of mostly when it comes to this. You can burn off any pillage tokens you have on them, get that plus one movement, reroll charge for the highest attack die value, and you can just rush them into a unit you want to hit hard and try to clear out and play that price of failure for the automatic hits. You're not caring about the pillage tokens that are on your reavers at this point anymore. It doesn't matter if you have a plus two to hit, you're hitting with all your dice. You're guaranteed hitting, and you're just hoping at that point that your, say, unit of reavers with only two wounds left is clearing out something off an objective. You're, it, it's an acceptable loss, essentially. You're, you're looking to trade one of your units for one of theirs, and hopefully you're trading a, a nearly dead unit for something that's almost alive. Um, as for the old ways, I, I don't know if burning a pillage token is worth a reroll to morale or an attack die. I feel like it'll be situational, but if I draw that card and it's between that and the, one of their main cards, it'll be the first one discarded out of my hand. Yeah, I think uh, the old way, um, I don't know if I would ever, I mean, it's hard to say that. I, I understand that, you know, <laughs> you never know until you're in the situation. Uh, I think the bottom effect to reroll attack dice, it has merit in the sense that, let's say you're already at two pillage, and you're, you know with getting rerolls, you're going to get a pillage back. Um, so... I think in that situation, um, that would be a great time to use it. But as far as uh, a morale test, it would have to be a really key morale test for me to want to burn a pillage token. But at least it yeah. has the option. I think uh, I think the fact that it has two options to it, with one having much more merit than the other, uh, makes this card kind of redeem itself a bit. Um, but as you were saying, uh, one of the combo, uh, one thing I was thinking as you were talking about uh, the expendable unit is even, you know, running some bowmen with the captain, come in from a behind the unit, shoot them, and weak, soften them up. And then, uh, you know, if you have acceptable sacrifices on a reaver unit, and then put price of fail- failure on them, and then just like you were saying, kamikaze them into a unit that has already taken uh, shots in the back from Bowman, uh, you have a good chance of actually wiping that unit out and not even having to risk a one-for-one and then make your opponent invest another unit's attack to killing the Reavers. And even then, they might not, uh, depending on how much damage you do to yourself. So I think uh, I think a pincer move like that would be uh, key, especially because that combo right there could, you know, in a lot of cases, kill some heftier units much more than your five-point reaver unit. Oh, for sure. How about you, Justin? How's uh, Balon looking to you? Uh, Well, 
my initial impression is I wouldn't want to play him just because he's an idiot. But uh, I don't think he's bad at all. I think Field by Slaughter is going to be pretty useful, especially uh, with what we've seen in, like, some of the changes coming out where things are harder to kill. So he's not only is he going to be taking very little panic damage, if any, um, then he's also going to be healing quite a lot. I agree that the old way does seem kind of bad, but uh, I think the argument against it would be that it's a versatile card and you never know when you need to use a pillage token for this or that or this or that or whatever. Um, it could be the thing that you need is to reroll all hits to succeed, or it could be that you do literally nothing with wasting a pillage token. You never know. Um, price of failure is always good. Um, there's definitely nothing wrong with, hey, I hit all of them. Have fun. And then <laughs> acceptable sacrifices. I hate having to to screw my unit over. Plus, like, like if you're going to put it on a cheap unit, then this card's not going to get, like, a lot of use because the unit's going to die very quickly. And then the card's going to be going away. Even if you do get the use, it's it's not a ton of use. Like, uh all your seven up morales are now sixes. Not helping all that much. No, it's plus one plus one wound. Or no, sorry, yeah, you're adding. Uh, yeah, so the, the unit with the card takes an extra wound. Everyone else gets plus one panic test in short range. So it may not even like end up being the thing that you need. Like, oh man, now I need a six and a roll to seven. You know, this card strikes me as, you know, maybe it... Maybe it does or doesn't suit uh, Balon's uh, playstyle or like his character in the books, but it seems like something you would throw on a chaff unit as we we're already talking. That's next to Balon to give Balon the plus one panic uh, buff, and then uh, and then watch as they die and heals Balon's unit back up and gives him a pillage token. <laughs> oh yeah, Balon is seem like <laughs> Balon is a very callous individual. He's a he's a jerk. He doesn't give a crap about nothing or nobody. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean that that seems like a, a sort of uh you know a good strategy with it, you know, putting it on a unit next to Balon because now Balon's unit's getting plus two panic tests to their roll and minus one. And then in missions where you're sitting Balon on an objective, knowing uh, that if you kill this chaff unit, uh, you're going to give Balon a pillage token and two wounds back. I mean, you're still going to do it. Obviously, you need to kill things, but it's going to, you know, kind of reinforce the you know lose lose scenario. All about the lose lose scenario. Yep. Um. All right, and then next up, Vict- Victorian Greyjoy. So he is awesome. First glance, uh, he has the order overrun. When this unit surges forth, instead of surging forth, this unit performs one charge action. And then he also has furious charge. Enemies successfully charged by this unit become vulnerable. He has sustained assault. When a friendly unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, if this unit began the turn engaged with the defender, it rolls its highest attack die value. If this targets his unit, it may also uh, he may also reroll any attack dice. Rush of aggression. Uh, 
When a friendly unit performs a charge action before rolling charge distance dice, this unit automatically counts as rolling a six on all charge distance dice and their melee attacks gain critical blow. After the attack has been completed, unless the attacker is uh, Victarion's uh, unit, they become vulnerable. And then lastly, assault orders. When a friendly NCU claims a zone, replace that zone's effect with one friendly combat unit performs one melee attack action. If this targets his unit, it may perform one charge action instead. Now, I just want to throw it out there right away. Running this guy gives you four free attack cards by replacing zone effects. That is amazing. That is going to be so many, like, compared to probably what we're going to see in 1.7, that's going to be a ton of attacks, especially if you decide to run, like, let's say only one uh, Stormcrow unit for that uh, motivated by coin um, to give more free, like, occasionally more free attacks. Uh, I think the amount of free attacks his uh, army is going to have is crazy. Now, granted, Assault Orders does say melee attack, but that does, you know, because uh, uh, what is it called? Uh, We do not sow is any attack. It really gives some uh, options between your bowmen and your your other units. So, let's say if you do have both of them in your hand and your opponent went first and already took the combat zone, uh, you can essentially replace the first spot with uh with do not so and um get a free bowman shot and then later in the round get a free melee attack or vice versa um or you can make them both melee attacks i think uh assault orders is going to just add so much to the offensiveness of a Greyjoy army um but he does seem to be completely offense uh, I do not see anything in here that's going to weaken your opponent, heal any wounds, uh, boost your morale at all. So you're really, between the other two commanders, uh, you're really going to trade off a lot of your defensive capability. And in a, by looking at their units, you know, they don't have a lot of defense to them unless, you know, maybe you run, uh, you do the opposite. You run like a really defensive list with a bunch of iron makers and then you supplement the offensiveness by running Victarion. Uh Jess, I'm gonna jump over to you first for this one. What's uh what's kinda your take on him? Told you he's a man with a plan. He's very one track. He's definitely Gregor Clegane with a cooler hat. Four attack cards, surge forth, free attack attacks everywhere. You don't need defense if you're winning. <laughs> like, this guy, I mean, I don't think there's anything new to him. He's literally, like, the Greyjoy version of uh, Gregor, but there's nothing wrong with that. Any any war game needs the classic, I'm gonna go hit you in the face super hard, Commander, and this guy's definitely here to do exactly that. Not, not a single one of his cards is bad. I don't think anyone would say that any of these are bad. They do exactly what you'd expect of him. This guy's probably gonna be the dude with, I don't, I mean, I really don't know, like, army composition-wise, but I know in the beginning, at least, people are just going to be running him with the biggest hitters in the army. I don't know, probably, what, Iron Makers, maybe, but they're too defensive, so who even needs them? Just throw them with anything. It doesn't matter. (laughs) But I would say uh, the Greyjoys don't have 
um, like what we're used to for Gregor's cards. You know, there's there's nothing that I can think of for the point cost or even close that hits quite like Mountainsman per se. You know, so the cards aren't while they're really good and things are changing to a very defensive kind of nature. Um, you're not going to be just wiping the floor with guys if you draw your best cards. You know, it's still going to be this for that. Um, I like him. I like him a lot. I really, really like his model. I'm really glad they stuck with the Kraken Helm because that's a very specific thing that he has. And he's got a really large axe. This guy looks great uh, <laughs> visibly, and his cards are exactly what, after reading the books, that's exactly what I would expect of, from him. He thinks he's like way smarter than he is, but he's actually just, I'm going to hit you really hard. That's all he does. <laughs> I have to say, uh, this is arguably my favorite sculpt uh, and model that uh, in the entire game. Um, I mean, maybe there might be something else, but I'm, I don't know. That helmet is just so awesome, and uh, you know, I'm pretty sure this is probably my new favorite model. Again, I totally understand. <laughs> I I had to agree 100% with both of you. He is. I want to punch you, and I want to punch you some more, and then while you're down, I'm going to punch you again. Maybe a kick here and there? <laughs> Maybe a kick, but I don't know if he's smart enough to kick. He just wants to punch. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> um, yeah, I, he's very strong. His cards have the most synergies with other cards. Well, he has basically the stack wombo combo of devastating impact and um, sudden charge for his own unit. When you play assault orders on him and rush of aggression, you're getting that auto six charge. You're getting critical blow. You're getting um, the vulnerable token out and you're getting a free charge. Granted, it's only on his unit, but it is an insanely aggressive play. You can make at any point in time. And I think that's the reason that I've always overlooked <laughs> you do not so is because um assault orders is just such a brutal card because it's not just the attack, it's the charge from Victorion. He is he's putting out so much in that single attack. If you combo that with um the Kraken's Wrath, you're getting precision in there too. Even if you went through terrain to make you disordered and you're not re-rolling, if you decide to claim the sword, you're getting re-rolled attacks anyway. He, If he decides he wants to hit you, he's going to hit you and he's going to hit you hard. Um, I found he's been working for me so well best in Reapers. You can get those tokens out and then he's not only hitting you like the combat, because I think they're seven dice hitting on threes, but once you start racking up pillage tokens on them, you're dealing D3 plus two damage with panic tests. Or if he starts dying, you're dealing D3 damage with panic and then healing yourself back up to. He is, he has no sustain outside of what unit you put him in. And I think that Reapers, the Harlow Reapers are a hundred percent, what he wants to be with. Yeah, I would say, you know, 
I still kind of like him with Iron Makers, but uh, that just really depends on preference, list building, um, and then you also lose out on that critical blow with his own card because uh, you can't. Obviously, it'll you already the Iron Makers already have critical blow, so I think yes, mm-hmm. the the Reapers are probably the the more optimal option to put him with. Um, and I think uh, he is also kind of perfect. Like you were mentioning that combo between the assault orders into rush of aggression. Um, if you, you know, do another, you know, if you do a pincer move, this is maybe even a more reliable way to have some uh, uh, bowmen come from behind shoot a soften up a unit for you and then do this uh a combo to charge in and then if with that charge you kill the unit off you can then trigger his overrun um mm-hmm. so i think uh this he has so much potential to like one two punch something with bowman um so it's it's definitely something that if you guys listening are not planning to play uh, Greyjoys to watch out for. The Bowmen, I think, are... I think we are kind of mentioning at the beginning of the show, they're going to be, I think, underrated at first. But for five points, really getting behind the line and distracting units is, is something that's really going to play to all three of these commanders quite a bit. So testing so far what would you say is your favorite commander gamma oh that's hard i think i've done the best with victarion because he wants to be going in he wants to be hammering things his his play style is just so straightforward of i'm going to be aggressive and i have the cards to back up my aggression and unless you can take multiple charges from length you you just can't withstand the Victorian hammering down on you. But I love Asha. I think she, once you get the positioning down pat, she is going to be the stronger commander of the two. Um, the the auto six charge of Victorian is just so so oppressive. <laughs> I don't want to say oppressive, but it's, it's so. <laughs> It 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 pins you in a place. You you always need to look out for that guaranteed eleven because I'm pretty sure every uh, Greyjoy unit that we've seen so far has a movement speed of five, which is is fast for most units. Like their defensive units are moving five at you. Those Iron Makers aren't lumbering up the field. If they want to smash you in the face they're coming 11 inches towards you with Rush of Aggression, and they're going to smash you in the face with their Warhammers. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, I think it's actually okay uh, in, in some ways, because I don't think Greyjoys are going to be getting any cavalry. So I think it's it's okay that we see some of these bursts of speed for the fact that, we're, they're probably going to have to resort to neutral cavalry, which also is a boon in the sense that, uh, or a, a 
I don't know if Boone's the right uh, phrase, but it's going to be a downside in the sense that they're not going to be able to take advantage of the pillage token mechanic, and there's a bunch of uh, effects that only affect Greyjoys. So I think uh, having some of these like bursts of speed, like in Rush of Aggression, um, or having the the captain give the outflank to any unit that you want to attach it to, uh, I think spurts of... Uh, of maneuverability like that I think is is okay in a faction that is probably not going to have any cavalry or going to have to sacrifice something to get it. You're going to want to watch out for because um, there's not a lot you can do about it. Um, devastating impact, you know, wombo combo with Starks is definitely survivable. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've done that combo and I haven't... I. I maybe decimated a unit, but uh, I more often than not, you know, I don't wipe them in one go. So it's going to be something you're going to have to kind of watch out for. Definitely with deployment, which might be a little hard because their units are a bit cheaper than I think most factions. But you're going to want to make sure that what you put across from Victarion uh, is going to be able to withstand a Victarion charge because in a lot of if you can draw that rush of aggression round one or two, um, it's going to happen. <laughs> I think the other big thing that I've been playing around with, especially the Victorian, is we don't know exactly what NCU Balon is changing to. Um, right now, he is once per game. If you claim a zone on the tactics board, you can replace it to bring back one previously destroyed unit. Uh, I think activated within short range of your table edge or flank. So if you can get that assault orders, rush of aggression, bail on NCU playoff, you're bringing your Victorian in after after he already charged in, did some damage, died. You're bringing him back in the rear to clean up whatever else was around. Um, I know it, it takes two NCU slots and there's going to be some counterplay to it but it's it's an aggressive play and he's an aggressive commander and yeah he's going to be something that you, you really need to look out for yeah and yeah they uh, I'm looking at it now it's five points for uh, his NCU um, to basically redeploy uh, or replace any previously destroyed unit uh, within long of a friendly deployment or short of a uh, either flank edge. So yeah, it's it's definitely going to be one of those things when list building. Uh, if you just kind of want to put all your eggs in one basket and just make a hyper aggressive list, um, especially you know when you can uh, redeploy your most valuable unit after it dies. Uh, you know, granted, it, it'll depend on what attachments we see, um, because I think uh, from what we know right now, what we have available to us, uh, Balon uh, NCU being able to do that is, I think, fair um, in the sense that Iron Makers are seven points. Um, a lot of cases, there's going to be a commander in it. Uh, you know, you got uh, the Reapers who are six, 
let's say maybe eight after you put maybe a two-point attachment, a one-point attachment for seven points, and so on. So if you're paying five points for Balon, uh, I mean, you can make the argument that you could just run another Reaver unit for five points and then not even have to worry about redeploying and just have that unit all game and then just... But... Uh, so I think it's fair. I think um, especially if Free Folk keep anything, keep Endless Horde or anything similar to it, uh, I think uh, this isn't uh, too crazy of an effect that, who knows? I mean, we'll see if Balon stays the way they previewed him. Maybe they tweak him a little bit. Either way, um, it's definitely a, a valid uh, strategy. Um, and then... Before we wrap up, uh, Justin, I wanted to finish off by asking, so what's your favorite interaction in the books that have to do with Greyjoys? Maybe in particular, uh, one of the commanders. Hmm. So I guess it has to do with like basically all of them. It's after Balon dies, they have, I believe they call it a moot, uh, basically a meeting to determine who's going to be the next king, right? And so there's like a bunch of people who you never saw on the show. In fact, I'm sure you were curious about who that NC, the big, what, what's the guy named Goldmaker or whatever, that big old guy? Uh, Eric Ironmaker. Yeah, Eric Ironmaker. So he's part of that. He thinks he should be the king because he's super rich and just keeps throwing money at people. Uh, Victorian's <laughs> like, I'm obviously the king. I'm awesome because I'm super smart and super strong and I'm the best commander that's ever lived and I'm great and all this other stuff. And then Ash is like, I'm pretty sweet, too. Look at me. Everybody loves me. And then uh, Euron shows up, and everyone's like, oh, hell, he's back. Uh, and <laughs> he ends up winning or whatever. But uh, that's my favorite interaction because you really, like, see the motivations behind all of them. Um, like, Ash's motivation is, in my opinion, like, more legitimate than everyone else's. Like, uh, Victorian literally just thinks he's the best. So he thinks he should be the king. And he is pretty badass. Um, but Euron just comes and he's like, how about we win? And everyone's like, that's a good idea. <laughs> that seems really smart. Uh, and he's got a bunch of like creepy people with him and stuff. But you get to see a lot of like the minor characters because they bring like their best boys with them and stuff to help like kind of, well, sort of bribe people, but to convince people and stuff. So you see, like, Carl, you see, uh, I think there's another Carl called Carl, Carl the Barber or something like that. Um, I think there actually there's, like, four Carls, and that's why they all have crazy names. <laughs> um, and you, you just get to see, like, their, their right hands and how the structure of, like, their society is more or less based on the structure of a ship. You know, like, uh, you got you got your captain, your first mate, and all the the like trusted crew and your lieutenants and stuff, and then from there everyone else is just who cares. <laughs> um, but that's um, that's definitely my favorite part. Yeah, that's it's stuff like that that you know makes me definitely want to go and listen to the books because you know I feel like though I do really like the show, um, I feel like as with any show. Uh, that's based on books. There's so much missing content in there that just adds to the story. Um, for me, uh, it was The Hunger Games. I read that before the movies ever came out, and I absolutely loved those books. Uh, and I thought the movies were all right. I think, I think compared to some movies, 
that were made uh, from books, uh, they did decent because um, there have been some complete failures out there. Uh, but I definitely would like to listen to the, you know, the Game of Thrones uh, or the Ice and Fire books. I think more uh, more so than any other reason because of the Greyjoys. Um, but with that said, as I told you guys before, I wanted to end by talking about the saving the best for last, the best commander, Euron Greyjoy. So they did not reveal him completely. They only revealed the one side of him. <laughs> so all we know is that he is a commander. And he gives cunning ploy, devious methods, and mind games. Now, uh, this could completely change. Um, you know, these were revealed quite a while ago, I believe back in June or so, give or take, of 2020. So um, a lot could have changed since then. But it is still nice to know that uh, he is going to be in there. And he, you know, there's a good chance that he's in the hero box, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see, they have a picture of it right here. Um, couldn't tell you. <laughs> I don't know if you guys uh, uh, have the Greyjoy hero box one on there, but it looks like I see um, Quarrel. I think that's how you say it's Carl. the name. Carl? Okay. He's one of the many uh, Carls. <laughs> yeah, it looks like some of the NCUs. I don't know if I see Euron, unless it's the guy with the eye patch, an axe and a sword. Is that him? He's an eye patch. He just, he just doesn't look anything like the picture because they make the picture look so dark uh, in the in the commander card that it could definitely be him because how many people have the eye patches, right? I'm it's sure just a lot more than... <laughs> Among like okay, the named characters, him. he's the only one with an eye patch. Okay, so it must be him. And so, with that said, they were the last I remember them talking, uh, Simon talking about is that um, uh, Greyjoys when they re- drop, they are dropping. I believe with everything, uh, they're dropping with the starter, uh, Ironmaker unit box, Ironborn Trappers unit box, and the Greyjoy hero box one. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong about maybe one of the two unit boxes, but I'm almost positive I remember them saying that the hero box and one of the unit boxes and the starter, at minimum, were all coming out together. Then again, again, this was a long time ago, at, uh, back in June, so things could always change. Um, you never know, especially with everything going on right now, that that you know could even you know that has even more chance of changing, but. If that is the case, and at least the hero box comes out with the starter, then we're going to be uh, probably seeing Euron be revealed sometime soon as well. Uh, probably the whole contents mm-hmm. of the hero box, if, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I have a, a picture here I brought up from the Simon Expo, and it has all the miniatures from the hero box. And it says that in the box will be Balon Greyjoy, Euron Greyjoy, Theon Greyjoy, Eric Ironmaker, Carl the Maid, Newt the Barber, and Master Windermere. Nice. Okay, so I believe everyone has been, um, or I should say everyone, I believe Carl, Euron, and Theon were all 
spoiled a long time ago, so they could definitely change. Um, But the two that we know for sure that are in there that have been revealed recently are the two NCUs, which will be going in depth on more in depth on Sunday. Um, So I'm guessing that means Roderick Harlow or Harlaw is going to be in the starter box if he wasn't mentioned in that hero box. Um, Yeah. And and then it looks in the starter box, they said it was going to be Ironborn, Bowman, Reavers, Reapers, um, Asha, Victarion. Um, why am I blanking on his name right now? The damp hair. Uh, the heel guy. Name. Yeah. Uh, Aaron. Aaron. Oh, you're on Aaron, Balon, Victarion. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Harlo- <laughs> Roger Harlaw and Aaron Greyjoy are the NCs in the starter box, and the commanders that come with it are Asha and Victorion. Awesome. So I'm I'm glad to see that uh, um, potentially this faction is going to release with a lot more content than the previous factions. Uh, I mean, granted, there's usually a lot to unpack out of just a starter, but it's going to be nice to just kind of see this one come out with a lot more op and give a lot more playability to the faction uh, right from the get-go. Uh, it'll probably give a lot more, uh, a lot of people a lot more to kind of un- unravel and, and discover, which will also be nice. Um, so yeah, uh, everyone listening, definitely go check out a lot of the, uh, um, you know, the reveals. You can check out pretty much, I would say, I don't know, 90% of them. If you go to the Ice and Fire uh, page, uh, the CMON Ice and Fire page, and go to the articles, um, they have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. It looks like five articles all talking about the Greyjoys uh, of recent, you know, since uh, like November of. 2020 so and there's so much content in there uh a lot of it that we've talked about tonight and then the rest of it we will be talking about on sunday which we also have another special guest um so definitely go check that one out it will be at 4 p.m central standard time um but with that said gonna close out with some uh some shout outs uh gamma do you want to kind of shout out uh um your content yeah, so right now we have a, a small channel here. Um, it is part of an a, a affiliate uh, with a, a wargaming group here in the, the Maritimes of Canada, the East Coast, for any of you who don't know Canada, basically go to Montreal and then go way further east than you thought ever existed, and you'll find <laughs> us. Um, we're called World's Edge Wargaming. Um we are currently just streaming TTS games right now, uh, tournament games, and organizing whenever available because of COVID right now, uh, Warhammer and A Song of Ice and Fire games in person. Um, and you can you can find us on YouTube at World's Edge Wargaming and on Facebook. Awesome. And then is that uh, is that anywhere near Niagara Falls? Or am I way off in my geography? Much, much further east. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I made a couple trips up to Niagara Falls uh, once for uh, mini war gaming uh, back uh, when I was like very deep into Warhammer 40k, and 
definitely a great place to go. But yeah, if it's much further east than that, then <laughs> I probably have no idea where it is. Um, I'm just as as a reference to anyone who who might know, it was roughly last time I was down to the states. I think a 12, 15 hour drive from Nova Scotia, which is where I'm at, to New York City, and we're east of New York. <laughs> nice. All right, yeah, definitely go check out, uh, you know, his content. Um, uh, one more time, where can you find that at? That was World's Edge Wargaming on Facebook and on YouTube. Yeah, definitely go check that out. Give us a subscribe, a like, and, you know, comment. Uh, you know, anything you do helps. Um, and then a couple of shout-outs I want to give uh, for those that uh, have not already heard. There is going to be a tournament for Adepticon. Um, it's not going to be at the actual convention, which was uh, canceled. It will be at uh, Family Time Games in Indianapolis on, I don't know if an official date was, I think it was set, but it should be the weekend of uh, what Adepticon would be. So I believe the 27th and 28th of March of this year. So definitely uh, go check that out. You can sign up at songoficeandfirestats.com. Um, I'm not quite sure it, what the entry fee, all that stuff is, but um, I'm sure if you go on there, it should give you all the details that you need. Um, from what we've been told, there is, uh, they are going to be following all the, um, the requirements for social distancing distancing and masks and everything required by the state to make sure it's all legit and everyone is safe. Uh, they do have the option to rent out another building if they get more people than the restrictions allow the place to hold. Because normally I believe the place can hold a ton of people. I think like I think over a hundred or something like that. Uh, maybe not necessarily for war games uh, because obviously it takes up a lot more space. But uh, but yeah, with the restrictions, I think they can hold like 30 or something. And uh, if they get more than that, even they they uh, they're gonna try renting out uh, something else to accommodate. So definitely go check. Uh, I will be there. Brett will be there, and a bunch of other people are going. Um, and it'll be great to see you guys all there. Um, also, I wanted to shout out as usual um, local. Game, st uh, game stores, definitely go check them out and see if they need any help uh, with everything going on. Some places still have not been able to open or not open properly, like uh, I should say, uh, like fully. Um, you know, even if they can't really do uh, in-store uh, um, purchases, see if they can deliver, see if they can do curbside pickup, and then worst case, if they can't do any of that, see if uh, maybe you can just kind of purchase a gift card from them uh, temporarily, and then when they open back up, you can kind of go in and then use the gift card then, but it at least gives them some, like, supplemental, you know, income uh, or, you know, transactions in the meantime. So definitely go, you know, Go check out your local and see if uh, if that's an option. If uh, you don't have a local and you kind of just buy online, try considering uh, um, just some you know local shops that will deliver. I know uh, my local shop, uh, Games Plus in Mount Prospect, Illinois, uh, delivers, so you can go check them out. Um, there's also uh, Coliseum Games. Uh, uh, Justin, do you know the town that one's in? 
I don't even know what that is, period. Uh, oh, <laughs> did I say it wrong? Uh a cataclysm. cataclysm? Sorry. Oh, cataclysm. Yes. Cataclysm. Oh, catac- sorry. sorry. I thought you actually said like calcium. I was like, oh, well, I that's did. weird. I did. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're in McChesney Park, Illinois. That's the one that I consider local to me. Um, they aren't open for their game floor, but they have pickup, curbside pickup. They'll deliver. Uh, they're pretty great. They have awesome prices. I love them. Yeah, so definitely uh, if you're, like, buying Amazon or eBay or something, definitely consider a a local shop. I know it might be, uh, like, an extra, like, $5 a box or something, and I know it kind of sucks. So if it is within your means to do so, try to consider uh, um, some local shops out there, kind of, you know, the small business uh, and help them out. I know I try to go out of my way whenever I can to support a, a local business or a smaller business. Um, you know, I feel like even though it's cost me a little extra, I know it's going to someone um, that I either know or someone that could really use it. So I almost, you know, if you want to look at it as maybe a, you know, a donation, you can look at it that way. Uh, but anything helps. So definitely go, ch- uh, you know, check out some local shops or your local shop. Um, but with that said, uh, thank you so much, Gamma, for coming on. Uh, I really appreciate uh, the insight into the Greyjoys, especially because neither me or Justin have gotten a chance to play test them. Uh, and uh, it's just nice that, to have someone on that uh, has a little more insight uh, into some of the stuff and how it works. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I, I really enjoyed being on. And if ever you need any more Greyjoy insights in the future, I'd be more than happy to give my input. Awesome, yeah. Maybe uh, maybe once they release some more stuff, uh, that definitely be uh, something I'll hit you back up for because um, you know, it's Greyjoys is I think something that's going to be like kind of the the new hot thing. You know, I mean, I guess every faction when they come out is, but uh, I think Greyjoys are going to just kind of provide. Um, you know, some fresh air into the game, especially after such such a I guess like a hiatus of product. Um, you know, having a whole new faction is going to be much different than some trickled uh, units coming out, which I know isn't really Simon's fault. Uh, a lot of craziness has happened. Uh, so it'll just be nice when the faction drops and it'll be, it'll be nice to get some, uh, some more in-depth takes on, on some of the units. So, um, but with that said, everybody, I know I said it at the beginning of the show, but please consider liking, sharing, and following us on any uh, form of uh, uh, any uh, site that we're on, um, especially Facebook. Uh, I believe we are getting so close to 700 uh, likes on our Facebook page. As soon as we hit 700, we are going to give out a unit box to a uh, uh, a unit box of the winner's choice to a random person that is liked uh, uh, on our Facebook. And then also, uh, I'm going to mention it again. I know I mentioned it once before. Uh, starting in March, uh, keep an eye out for a post. I'm going to be posting a comment on our page, on our Facebook page, uh, where you can uh, like our Facebook page and comment on the post. And then that will give you one submission. And then if your comment also includes a picture of any foil uh, card packs uh, for that were bought from uh, one of the expos. Uh, I forget which expo it was. Um, but if you bought one of those card packs, I know they're probably going to mostly be uh, um, 
not really usable when 1.7 drops, uh, but the, I mean, I know they still look pretty awesome. Uh, but if you provide proof, you know, maybe like a timestamp in the picture, you will get one extra submission um, into the giveaway for every pack you bought. Um, at, uh, we're going to do no cap. So if let's say you were some real, real uh, retailer that bought a ton of them thinking you can sell a bunch of them, I will still honor that. Granted, uh, you will only be able to win once. Um, it just increases the chance that you could win. Uh, and then we will pick seven winners, and those seven winners will get to pick any card pack they want, and I will ship it to you uh, free of charge anywhere in the world. Um, so we will be drawing seven winners. I chose seven simply because that's how many factions we currently have. I'm assuming Greyjoys are not going to have a card pack, so that's why I didn't choose the number eight. Um, but yeah, I wanted to kind of give back to the community, especially because I know it was kind of a rough deal that a lot of people bought the foil packs uh, with the intention that they would probably last a lot longer. And um, Simon has uh, talked about, you know, kind of what happened on multiple different occasions. And uh, so I can't really blame them. Uh, there was a lot of unforeseen things uh, and circumstances, and they were meant to be like a pr promotional item. And so I don't think uh, Simon really thought like a ton of people all over the world were going to be buying a ton of these. So that said, uh, we want to kind of give back to those that, that put money into these foil packs and we want to, you know, kind of help ease the costs of maybe purchasing, purchasing these newer card packs. So definitely look out for that. We're going to start it. Um, uh, probably I'm going to try to do it on the first of March, um, first or second or something, as long as I remember. Uh, and we will have it go for the whole month of March. At the end of March, I will draw the winners. Um, you know, definitely spread the word that that will be the case. Uh, I will try to post wherever I can so you guys know about it. And then uh, at the end of March, we'll draw them. And then as soon as they come out, I will purchase them. I might even uh, contact you and try to just purchase them straight from your local game store if you have one. Uh, save, you know, me on shipping and you can get it faster. So uh, just be on the lookout for that. Um, but I have rambled on enough. I appreciate all of you for listening. This is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed.